This episode of Wrestling with Sports, hosted by Jason Kindle, Dimitri Young, and myself, Dennis Farrell, is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com, that's like the color blue, brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. And trust me, I'm 42 years old. I'm not always ready to get up and bat. If you're a baseball fan, you'll know what I mean. Or the curtain jerker, if you're a wrestling fan. Sometimes you need that little bit of help, no matter how bad you want to get it and go. And ladies, let's say you have a man or, you know, and he's not uh, performing up to par. Maybe you should sit down with him and have an honest talk of what you guys can do to make your relationship better. I'm no Dr. Phil, trust me, but Blue Chew helps. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. If you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew. It's the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online by a licensed physician, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office, especially in this time of age with COVID. Nobody wants to go to the doctor's office. And not to be mistaken with the fact that you're sitting there and you kind of have the ED problems, you don't want to be sitting there doing that. So do this online doctor-physician. It's phenomenal. It ships right to your door in discreet packaging. It's made in the USA, and since it's uh, there it's cheaper too believe it or not uh, no awkward doctor visits you know don't even have to leave the house right now we have a special deal for you and normally jason would be here you know trying to talk me out of giving it to you for free but look i'm gonna give it to you for free all you have to do is pay five dollars shipping and handling that's it five dollars shipping and handling to get your free trial prescription and trust me guys i did it I love it, and I, I don't even get it free. I pay for it, so make sure you are part of the Blue Chew crew. As I said right now, Blue Chew gives you the first shipment for free using the special promo code DENNIS. That's D-E-N-N-I-S, D-E-N-N-I-S. Just pay $5 shipping and handling. That's Blue.com, BlueChew.com. Use the promo code DENNIS. Get it for free. It's better, cheaper, faster. Trust me, we turned down a lot of sponsors for this podcast. Blue Chew is one of those ones we love having around. So thank you, Blue Chew. Thank you, everybody. Go out there, try it. Use the promo code Dennis, D-E-N-N-I-S, and get for free. We all love it, and you will too. WA World Heavyweight Champion. Question. With Dusty Rhodes at their side, will the Road Warriors take revenge on the men who brutalized them, Ivan Koloff, and the powers of pain? Question. Are wrestling's new breed of young gladiators equipped with what it takes to be victorious on a day when anything goes? There are so many questions, and the time has finally come to find out the answers. Now, Superstation TBS presents Clash of the Champions. Time for Wrestling with Sports, a very special presentation where once a month 
we sit down, we dissect a pay-per-view that maybe we've seen, maybe we haven't. Each one, we pick a different one. This month, Dimitri Young picked the very first Clash of the Champions. Dimitri, talk a little bit about why you picked this pay-per-view to be your very first one. Well, we talked about it ever since I joined the crew about what wrestling federation or organization we like best. And for me, it was always that that mid to late 80s NWA and early WCW. And that was when the big old belt was out and Ric Flair was the champion. And then you had the upcoming Sting. And to me, I felt like that really made who Sting was. And later we'll talk about the match itself. And I saw a lot of similarities from a young Sting and a current WWE star. I just saw a lot of similarities, and we'll talk about that later. But, I mean, it was just straight action-packed from beginning to end. And that was a pay-per-view that went up against uh, – it went up against one of the um, – WrestleMania. Yeah. yeah, what was it, WrestleMania 5? Five or six. I don't remember off and, the top of my head, but it was five <clears> or six it went up against. And Class of the Champions was on WTBS. They was giving it to us for free. And let me tell you. I was I was blown away the entire time. I couldn't like stop and take a bathroom break. The time you take a bathroom break is when they were doing the interviews. And even then I had the iPad with me and I was sitting there listening because they cut tremendous promos. It wasn't scripted like what we had today. And going back in time watching this stuff, oh my God, you forget how good wrestling really was and 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 the and the showmanship that you see out of these wrestlers. And we'll we'll talk about that. I grew up in the South, kind of like you. I would, at this time, I remember actually watching this live. I was a WCW and WA fan. I barely watched any WWF at the time unless it was a main event or I think it was what sometimes they had it on super late at night, which was kind of the abbreviation. Oh, Saturday night's a main event. Yes. You're talking about that when I came on after Saturday night, uh, supposed to be in after Saturday night live spot? Yep. Yep, and I remember, and that was really all WWF I even I watched. I missed a lot of the Attitude Era because I was a WCW guy. And when they went up against each other, I still had to go to school, so I didn't get to watch the replays of WW, uh, WWF, I believe. No. Uh, yeah, at yeah. that time it was WWF. Yes, did that, did the replay. So I didn't get to watch it. So I had to choose wh- which one I was going to watch. It was WCW for me, which is great because – Jason was the opposite. Jason was a what WWF WWE fan and didn't really watch much WCW and WA. No, it, without a doubt. I mean, I've watched like the one that Dimitri brought up, um, Class Champions. Yes, I've I've seen it and watched it, and I and I, I'm not gonna lie, I, I rewatched a little bit of it today just to refresh my memory because that was a long time ago. Um, just you know, looking at guys like Lex Luger, he's like. This is when he was like young. He was always huge. Yeah, but this was the young. Anyhow, so I yeah we we I watched the, some of that, and so am I the next one to pick because I actually have. You are. Let's do this now, so people can get ready for the next pay per view next month. What pay per view, Jason? Do you think hey, you're going to? So I, I have to do this for obvious reasons, and uh, I can't remember if it was four or five, but Survivor Series, the one with with our own Dimitri Young on. Was it four or five? Oh, Oh, that was 2005. 2005 with our own Dimitri Young. Oh, just because of the stories. And I know he probably went backstage. That is the one that I'm going to (laughs) pick. So there you go. 
Now, Dimitri, without saying too much, I want to ask you one question about this. Have you watched this pay-per-view back in recent years? Is this one of those you watch once a year because you're on it, or you set it, forget it, and you haven't seen it in a long time? Well, I'm 46 years old, and what we do after retirement, that's what people don't know about. I'm a godfather. You know, my best friend's second, actually his third kid, second son, and I'm his godfather. And so, you know, the kid, how old is Mateo now? He's like six now, six or seven. And, you know, they they know me as Uncle D, but then I show them old baseball cards and, and YouTube clips and whatnot. And they're like, oh, my God, you used to play ball. You used to be famous. And then I gave them my um, passcode to um, WWE Network. So they're watching it over there. And I, I had them watch Survivor Series 2005 with me. And we sat there. We watched my part when I was speaking against Ed. Like, oh, my God, you, you look different. You got, I used to have cornrows and I was a lot bigger. And now you're really famous once I saw that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big mm-hmm. time. And, 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 and it's cool now being an older person and, and having them look up to me and stuff like that. On yeah, screw the baseball. Like, screw all your bombs and your ribbies and <laughs> screw that. You were, you, you had, uh, uh, Edge and, uh, was it, um, Lily? Edge, uh, Edge and Lita. Oh, you, I mean, that's, Cool. You're, you're all your baseball accomplishments. Throw out that out, out the window. That's cool. That's Uncle D right there. <laughs> all right. So let's get into Clash of the Champions. This was was from 1988, where there was actually two or three other Clash of the Champions that year. And if you don't know too much about it, it was WCW's version of a free pay-per-view, which was phenomenal. Uh, from Wikipedia, believe it or not, it drew a 5.6 rating, uh, which is just massive, even for that time, for any kind of show. So, uh, first of all, I mean, any time a Clash of the Champions came on, it was a party in my household. My dad, my mom, my sister, we all would get pizza and sit down because... You know, at that time, $40, $60 pay-per-views, we just couldn't afford them. And I don't even think if we were – man, the first pay-per-view I got was a Royal Rumble, I want to say, 80-something. Man, I don't don't remember off the top of my head, and it was super expensive. And I think in my parents' mind, they were all that expensive throughout the history. So, Dimitri, uh, what was a Clash of the Champions like in your household when they came on? Actually, I, I, I'm going to recall the very first one because it coincided with the uh, WrestleMania. And we were staying in Navy housing in Montgomery, Alabama. This is before we moved out to California. And, no, actually, we were in California. Duh. Jesus. That's how old I am. I forgot already. We were in California. I'm a freshman in high school playing varsity, and it's Sunday. And so in my room, I had the TV on WTBS. And my parents' room, they had the cable box. We had the WrestleMania. Apparently, my grades were good enough that they let me do that. And I was just going back and forth the entire time. Yeah, on that one. And then I got that progress report on Tuesday. And then they beat my ass with a belt. But anyway, during that time, I was going back and forth when the commercial was going on with our WTBS and and, um, Clash of the Champions. I'll go run in my parents' room and I'll sit there and, you know, the WWF, 
back then. It was it was more of a showy product where, you know, NWA. It was all about the wrestling. It was about the storytelling. It was about the action. And so I was I was pretty much in the room until that was over, and then I watched the rest of WrestleMania. Hmm. Now, Jason, no this is was this the first time you've actually watched this pay per view? No, no, no. I've I've actually watched it before, but um, I do remember this because. <laughs> and the kids that are listening now will have no idea what I'm talking about is I believe we went over to my buddy's house. The only reason I know this is because we had to put a VHS tape and push record. Then we had to record over something because uh, oh. TBS was up. And I can't remember what we recorded over, but I, I guess it wasn't really good. Um, my brother told me that later. I can't remember what it was though. And I'll have to ask him, um, but we recorded it. So we were watching WWF. Cause that's what we did at my buddy's house and we recorded it. So we watched it and I'll be honest with you. My favorite match was the first tag team without a doubt. Fantastic versus midnight express. But I mean, obviously you got flair and sting. I get it. It was unbelievable, but watching that, for, that tag team match, and I'm not talking about the one roads and I said, fantastic. But it was awesome. It, I mean, and I swear it, to this day, in watching it over and over, kind of kicked into my head um, recently, is I love the time limit. I love it. I think it's – I don't necessarily like the, the, the um, you know, like a boxing match, you know, obviously at the um, end of the night where you're, you know, I didn't like that. But I love the time limit because you got to go and you got to go quick. It adds so much drama to the match. And when we get to the Flair-Sting match, we'll talk about how that time limit really added to that match. But you're right. Uh, we'll get into the tag team match and stuff. I got to say, though, the opening promo uh, you know, of this was actually, go back and watch it, a little cheesy, but I think it still holds up where I would almost put any NWA, WCW promo against anything WWE was doing when they were opening their shows back in that time era too. Oh, it was like, it was like we went back in time from AEW to NWA. You had Tony Schiavone and you had Jim Ross <clears throat> and they were a lot younger, but they sound the exact same. Their storytelling, their narrating of what was going on the entire night was just incredible. It kept me engaged and it also turned me back into a, a 13 year old kid. I was like, Oh my God, this is a, Oh, I was 14 and I was just, I mean, I was just blown away. It's like, I listened to that, those, that combination since I was 14 and possibly 13 to 12 all the way to now. And I mean, they're captivating. I mean, Tony Schiavone is so underrated and Jim Ross is Jim Ross. To me, this was the best Jim Ross has ever been in his career. I know a lot of people will point to the attitude error for his best work. I think that might have been his most viewed work. But as far as Jim Ross talent-wise, this era, this this show, to me, is the wheelhouse of what the Jim Ross I want to always remember will be. I, I will say this. I, I wish, wish, indeed, I don't even know if you know this, but I, I was um, at a probably a baseball tournament, which I'm sure you were too, but um, Dave and Dennis had Jim Ross on. Mm -hmm. And I wish... I was here. I don't know how. It, well, I know how it went. Um, Baker Mayfield, <laughs> Baker Mayfield, and but I mean, I wish I would have been able to to be there, and I couldn't for uh, other reasons. And um, 
but one of my all-time favorites. I mean, and still just strong. What an unbelievable person. Phenomenal, phenomenal. And you're right, Tony Schiavone will always be my number one head guy on any booth. I grew up with Tony Schiavone. Even snarky attitude Tony Schiavone towards the end of WCW, <laughs> I will always love it. it. For me, and this is just me growing up, it was Tony Schiavone and Vince McMahon. I, I mean, I think Vince McMahon could have been one of the greatest announcers in all of sports wrestling if he would have stuck with it, I mean, listen, the career path he chose as the owner and Vince McMahon versus Steve Austin, amazing. But I think he could have been just as popular and just as big if he stayed on that mic during that time period, too. He was all right. Yeah, you know, the one thing that I used to hate is when they would re repackage a character and they bring him back out there and, and they would announce him like, oh, this guy came from somewhere and... It's like, hold on, you just made, you just killed a character and created another character with that guy. And, and it was like they were insulting our intelligence. And I think that was why I start, because I started with WWF and then I went to NWA because it was on WTBS, home of the Atlanta Braves and NASCAR and college football. And it was always interrupted by any of those at any period of time. But because of the cartoony stuff like that, you know, I didn't like, the Vince McMahon cartoony stuff. I love the NWA realism stuff. Well, Dennis, I completely disagree with you as him as an announcer to what he has become. I mean, watching him wrestle, watching him bring the family into it. So I just, you can look back at certain things. I'm not even going to name one because they're just amazing. So, but what he has done in the ring, and I'm talking about just straight, you know, acting and being out there and wrestling and putting his body through a bunch of stuff to to just call in a match, being an announcer. Yeah, he was great as an announcer. Woohoo! <laughs> He's a thousand times better as what he ended up being, oh, and I, that's just my opinion. I agree. I, I completely disagree with you. No, no, I I 100% agree with you on he so much better. But I'm just saying, if he would have stuck as an announcer. I, I think he could have been up there with the upper nah. echelon. No, no. Nah. All right, all right. Maybe I'm wrong. And so, hey, Dennis, if you if you owned WWE, would you just sit back and be on the mic, or would you get your butt out there and show everybody what a badass you are? See, that's that's tough. there. You go. Well, that this is for another conversation. We're talking about Clash of the Champions now, so let's. Because that's a great... I'm going to write that down because we definitely need to discuss that. Uh, Clash of the Champions 1988, there was a, several of them. This was by far the first and the best one in my opinion. It opens up, as we said, with a great promo pack package. Jim Ross, uh, Tony Schiavone on the mic. It starts with a gorgeous Jimmy Garvin who was a face. and I, It's so hard to remember, <laughs> at least for me. Because, Alec, when I think of you know Jimmy Jam Garvin... It's, you know, part, part of the fabulous Freebirds. So when I see him out of the Freebirds in this capacity, I went, oh, that's right. There was there was a good period where he wasn't a Freebird. And it it was interesting to see him in that capacity. It wasn't for me because I've seen him before he joined the Freebirds as gorgeous Jimmy Garvin with, with Precious. He was always with that big hair and... He'd fluff it up and stuff, and the dude can wrestle. He was a good talker, and 
then when he joined up with the Freebirds, I mean, it just took him to another level. But I liked him even before he was a Freebird. And, and I'll be honest with you, I, I've always liked him. But it just reminded me, and I don't know who was, I don't even know who was first. But Ravishing Rick Rude. I mean, it's the same shtick in my mind. But, uh, and you guys helped me out. I mean, he obviously he had um, his, his gal with him, but that was, I don't know who was first, don't care. But, I mean, when I think of him, I think of Ravishing Rick Rude first. And that's hard because I think in that era, that kind of mill, uh, Chippendales-esque character was everywhere. I mean, even in the next tag team match, the Fantastics came out with little bow ties on. So mm-hmm. I, I think... Yeah, I don't think... Yeah, I'm with you, Dennis. You know, most... You either had an awesome physique or you look like you're a truck driver who who stops in, in each fast food and has that big old pop belly. I mean, that's how it was in the 80s. I mean, you saw those physiques, but those dudes can go in the ring. Wow. Absolutely. It, Jimmy Jam... Uh, gorgeous Jimmy Garvin. I still call him Jimmy Jan versus Mike Rotenda, IRS, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he comes Pretty in wide, as a TV... Daddy. I exactly. He comes in as the TV title champion. By the way, still my all-time favorite championship. I love the WCW, the big gold, all that stuff. But for me, that TV champion, I was always, for whatever reason, glued to it because you knew each week on television that championship in an age where you might see once every 60 days, once every 30 days, a championship uh, contested over on a pay-per-view the TV champion was my my championship because I saw it every week on TV. So this took me back to an age where I was like, oh, I wish there was a TV championship somewhere. I have one, actually. I have the belt. It's in Houston, though, but I have that belt. But you're talking about the TV belt. How about the most underrated group in wrestling history, the Varsity Club? Oh, How cool was that group? Come out with the Letterman jackets on and – and they really went to those schools too, like Dr. Dusty Williams, um, the Steiner brothers, uh, except for uh, Kevin Sullivan. But and then the Danny Spivey came in, University of Georgia. I was like, this is now this was a cool group because this was when I was in high school. I'm getting my Letterman jacket and stuff. I was like this is something I can relate to, you know, guys that really did it in sports, and then they bring it to the professional, the professional ring. And I'm like, why hasn't anybody? bring back that concept because to me that is just ridiculously cool and i'm not talking spirit squad bullshit either <laughs> uh jason uh watching this match uh who were you more drawn to uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. i was like that kid that the the parents said okay your stockings first on christmas and then you go to your presents or whatever that was my stocking i skipped it and went straight to the presents and went in to watch the fantastic versus midnight uh, Express. So, oh, you didn't watch the first match? No. Oh. I, and so I apologize. Oh, I apologize. You should, you I remember the, the fact, and I, and I will go back and watch it now because I didn't. I mean, but I I will never forget. I mean, I watched the intro and I'm like, no, 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 no. I got. I knew that no, the the, the, the no, next match was have. unbelievable. So it was and a I, gimmick match. It was a gimmick match. It was like amateur wrestling, and they had three rounds. And if you pin a guy, it's one. like an amateur wrestling a one a one count. Gotcha. And, and I apologize. That's my own fault, and I should have done it. But I, I went for the present instead of the stocking. I tell you what, uh, Jason, in full disclosure, I almost felt the same way where I'm like, throughout the wrestling history, where you watch 
WWE, WCW, whatever it was, anytime you hear, oh, they're going to have an amateur wrestling match in the ring, I always, it never comes off good. It's a little bit boring. It slugs on. Uh, so going back when I saw this, I went, man, I'm going to have to watch this. It Listen, it was fast-paced. It was actually entertaining. And the end of the match, that the little brawl, Kind of comical to me. <laughs> yeah, see, and, and, and that's my obviously I messed up, but that was what I remembered was was that tag team match, and that's what I fast forward to first, and then, um, but that was what I remembered as a kid. You know, the I can't remember what you said how old we were, but I mean, uh, 14, 12, 14. 11, whatever the hell it was. Um, that's what I remember. I remember those two, and like, man, that was awesome. So that's what I I, I apologize to the fans, and I hope that you guys don't. Um, uh, uh, view me differently, nor do I care. You mean you didn't, you, didn't, did. you didn't want to watch Bray Wyatt's daddy? I'm just telling you <laughs> what I did and what I remembered. And I love Bray Wyatt and I love Bray Wyatt's daddy, but that's what happened to me. I'm sorry. I apologize, guys. We have things, listen, we have things we definitely <laughs> don't like in wrestling and no matter what we have to do, we skip over it. Uh, you know, the one match in here, I just... I'm not much of a hardcore or barbed wire match guy, so I tend to kind of want to skip over it. I actually watched it. So I I don't blame you, Jason, for that. But here are a few things I got out of that match that I thought was a little bit comical. Although the, I was really impressed with how excited the crowd was for this. Uh, Tony really sold on commentary how important and great this match was. I never got Kevin Sullivan throughout this, even with the Varsity Club. Having Kevin Sullivan part of the Varsity Club never, it never, I never got it. Dimitri, did you ever? Kevin Sullivan's just one of those guys I never got to begin with. I, I, I think it, I think it was a take, take him in a different direction from that satanic, you know, six 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 that he's been involved with the entire time, and. You know, I didn't too much mind the parent, especially because he was like the only odd duck in the in the whole group. Everybody else was legit. So I was like, I didn't mind him kind of being the mouthpiece for those guys. Those guys just went out there and they handled business. They do their wrestling and, and they kick tail amateur wrestling style. And he, he's just the mouthpiece. One of the things that really popped for me in this match was when Kevin Sullivan grabbed Precious by the neck and just lifted her up onto the ring. That was just one of those things I sat there. I was having a beer. I was watching. And I just went, did that just that did that just really happen? Yeah, that's not happening today. No. Nope. At all. Oh, man. And then, listen, at the end of the match, before we move on, Precious hitting Rick Steiner with that two-by-four and how bad he went down. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say something that probably is going to sound bad, but if Precious hits me with the 2x4, I may go to one knee, but I'm not going to flop like Rick Steiner, especially if I'm built like Rick Steiner. That just, when I saw him went down, I just went, Rick, what are you doing? It was an oversell. Absolutely. And Speaking of flopping, the greatest of all time is Flair. That's where the soccer gets it from. I, I know that's, you know, we, later in the show. But man, he was a good flopper. No, absolutely, absolutely. And he, we saw some of that in that last match. And before we move on, Precious, one of those things that you go, 
Is she really doing that where she chokes out Kevin Sullivan with a coat hanger? <laughs> That's old school, man. It absolutely is. But but a coat hanger like uh, wait, wait, what? That that was so if you get a chance go back and, and watch this match, I thought if I had to rate it and I don't I wouldn't even know how to rate it. Uh, put a rating system on it. Maybe well, If you want to get it to the 6 cents right now, I'm assuming it was a metal one, right? Yes. The old school. Okay. Well, now you want to go deeper and like really get uh, (laughs) psychotic is she was trying to scrape that thing in there. She wasn't just going for choking him out. She's going for that Adam's apple. Yes. Deep. (laughs) It, It was, it was just one of those things where I was like, wow. So that, that is it. If I had to put a rating on it, I'd say, this is a solid three. I was entertained. There wasn't many moments throughout this match where I was like, I wish it'd be over. Dennis, if you don't understand that, she was going to cut instead of choke out. No, no, no. I got it all. Okay. all I, right. I, I know I know exactly what you meant. Uh, Jason, you didn't see this, so you can't really rate it. But, Dimitri, oh, yeah. if you had your own rating system, what would you rate this match? I would have gave it a 3-2-5. Ooh. Is, it, no, just, is this no, five no. being the best? Yes. Yeah. So you said? Okay, gotcha. All right, so we're about on the same same page on that one. We move into a promo from Dr. Death Steve Williams. I'll be honest, Dimitri, I was not. I, listen, I've seen a million Dr. Death Steve promos, Dr. Death Steve Williams promos. They've been phenomenal. This one, he, he felt a little <laughs> lost throughout this thing. It felt a little clunky. You have to admit this. Be honest with me because look, we both, you got to, look, Jason, did you see this promo? Yes, I did. Didn't he seem a little lost at times? Sometimes at the end, he'd start the the next sentence of the promo with the sentence that ended. It just felt like uh, his mouth was moving faster than his brain was working. I think, <laughs> like the Bruce Lee movies, like, you want to fight? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I get you. Um, I think it's the times. Like, you would notice it a lot more nowadays than back then. I think there was more, um, because there's not all the, Anyhow, yes, I did see it, and it did look a little weird, but, you know, they they rolled through it. Dimitri? Yeah, yeah, I, you know, because I've seen him in UWF, and I've seen him since, and he's a vicious son of a bitch. You know, with that University of Oklahoma background, Dr. Death, but right there, I, w- I wasn't fearful of him. And, and and I know that wasn't his best promo, so I don't know what happened beforehand. As I don't know if they told him. I had a couple beers before or, or something. Who knows? Oh. No, if he would have had a couple of beers, he probably would have been cussing. Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, you know, and the best part of the promo is at the very end when he goes, "Bye, take care." That's not that's not back to death. No, not not at all. That's like polite Steve Williams, like. All right. Goodbye. Take care. Have a good night, everybody. Y'all come back now. Make sure you drive safe. That That's how he basically ended that promo with like, I'm coming for you. I'm back. I'm on fire. I'm going to hurt everybody. All right. Bye. Take care, everybody. That's like a Skittles commercial or something like that. Like, a, uh, hey, or tooth, toothbrush commercial or something like that. That's uh, what it looked like to me. So yeah, that that promo came and went. I was I I didn't hate it. Now the match Jason was excited about, and a lot of people Midnight Express with J, uh, Jim Cornette 
beautiful Bobby Sweet stand for the U.S. Tag Team Championships. And this is back in the day, by the way, where there was the U.S. Tag Team Champions and the World Tag Team Champions. And the U.S. Tag Team belts, once again, one of my favorites. I always kind of liked those secondary belts in WCW. And it never felt like, at least for me, that there were too many championships. In In WWE right now, even with the two shows, it seems like there are way too many championships doesn't feel like that here in this area. Well, that's that's because NWA cared about division. You know, they had the tag team division, and it was stacked. I mean, stacked to the point where they had the U.S. tag team belts. So they cared about the tag team, and that's what AEW is doing now, not to jump to the current. But, I mean, that's how it was back in the day with the rating system and all that. And, I mean, that's why I like NWA back in the day. Absolutely. You know, you know, Dennis, uh, you said something last um, podcast that we did about managers need to come back. I, I, after watching Jim Cordette, I uh, <laughs> thousand percent agree. I mean, you talk about someone you just want to hate but love. I mean, so I think that is a. And you know what? And I sit there now today, and I watch Paul Heyman. Obviously, Paul Heyman's a lot, but I watch him when he comes out with uh, Lesnar. It's just like everybody hates him. You love him, but you just, and that's how Cornette is or was. I mean, it's unbelievable. I'm one of those guys that I can separate the entertainer from the person. Jim Cornette, as a person, not a great person. Uh, maybe a slightly racist. Uh, he likes to say things that are not always. Uh, uh, See, okay, right, right there. I don't want to know because you're going to ruin it for me. Well, the actual the, person, like I'm talking about, just watching. I loved the guy, but, him and his little tennis racket. I thought it was great. But now he, I don't want to know the inside. It's kind of like talking about his mama from Louisville. Yeah, I, I don't want to know about stuff like that. But here's but, the thing: I can now that you've already him. said it. Now I don't, I'm probably not going to like Jim Cornette anymore. Well, here's the thing: I can separate that, especially in this is an unpopular. I, I can't. That's the whole problem. So no, go ahead and say what you're saying. Uh, going back, this was classic, and I really did enjoy this. And I think my favorite part of this match was with Jim Cornette, where he just, you know what? It was so simple, so great, and it looked amazing, was when he just lifted that table up, and, you know, it looked like he threw the table, and the guy ran into it. And I thought, man, right there, that table spot was phenomenal in that match. There, you have completely ruined my favorite match of this this clash. <laughs> so I mean, you know what? You guys talk. I'll be back in a sec. Uh, You've completely ruined everything. <laughs> he's he's really leaving. He's got to go get a beer, probably. Listen, Dimitri, uh, when you went back and watched this match, what did you think? Fast pace, action packed, and Jim Cornette really, really sold it. Where you see where his involvement can either help the Midnight Express or, in this case, it hurt the Midnight Express. But it was just like, oh, my God. Oh, and we forgot about the first match with um, Teddy Long as a referee. Teddy, You know what? I had that in my notes, too. I mean, Teddy Long. Wow. I mean, that's the, but that's the Teddy Long I remember. I mean, that, that balding. I think at some point, wasn't he missing some teeth, too? Yeah. 
I mean, I, I, I remember the whole transformation. I was watching it week by week. He was like a dirty referee, and and it wasn't the same storyline as Danny Davis in WWF back in the day. It was like he wasn't trying to become a wrestler. He was just devious, and then all of a sudden he becomes the the manager of Doom. By the way, Doom is my second favorite tag team of all time. I. I oh, yeah. I, I truly believe do might be the most underrated tag team of all time with seriously uh, 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 oh. yes yeah. Oh, man it, yeah I, but, back, but back to the the US tag belts like Jason was talking about the fantastics you know they were like five foot nothing but I mean the things that they were doing in the ring is like the stuff that you see today but they were doing it back then and it just it was just like and the, and the Midnight Express is such great workers. Beautiful Bobby Eaton. Oh, my God. I mean, one of the best ever. And then you have Sweet Stan Lane, who I dubbed as Billy Gunn before Billy Gunn. If anybody don't know who Stan Lane is, he looked like Billy Gunn's big brother. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Uh, one of my also... I'm a I'm a beautiful Bobby Eaton guy to begin with. Anyways, I like Bobby. I liked Hill yes. Bobby more than Face Bobby whenever he was that guy. And Tag Team yeah. Bobby over Singles Run Bobby. Although when Bobby was the television champion, I yeah, he I mean, beat Arn Anderson, his best friend. I know. I mean, right there that that Bobby Eaton. But this match, the crowd. I think this might be from a crowd standpoint the most excited the crowd had been from start oh, to finish. Yeah. No, it used to be. Yeah. No, we're talking about this particular match. Your 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 um your your favorite match, the Fantastics and the Midnight Express. Done? They were loud from beginning to end. I mean, there was. Oh, I'm not saying it, was, it used to be for me. I cannot wait when we do a baseball thing and you tell me that one of your top five players is so and so, and I can absolutely just ruin it for you. <laughs> oh, Dennis. I'm I am sorry, Jason. I'm sorry, uh, but yeah. Uh, this match, I thought I, I'd give it maybe the best match of the night. I, the crowd made this match phenomenal. Uh, I mean, Cornette being Cornette. I mean, when he threw that table and they smashed heads, and Cornette's <laughs> like, this table's been here. Where did this come from? I don't know. I didn't touch it. I mean, come on. That's that's amazing, Jim Cornette. I'm giving this a five. Jason? Oh, well, I would have given it a five. I would have given it a five plus. Well, I mean, you could still give it a five. Uh, I'll give it a five. Because it's one of my favorite matches. Dimitri? Four, four seven, five. Look at you. you... I, have, I, I, have, I have a match that I really like. Seeing it again, it may, I, I, I want to know what David Meltzer rated that particular match, but we got to get to it first. All right. Uh, but, that was, but that was, to me, that was the second best match. They, they followed it up with a promo with, uh, the new leave it to beaver, which I think, I, I don't know if he, I ever he, saw. You no, know, he passed away. Yeah. Th- actually yeah, last he, week, the actual Eddie has, he passed away like within the last month. Yeah. Last week, actually yeah, like he died. Weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, it was kind of funny to see that uh, it, from a standpoint of, wow, that's, that's the universe has a good way of always saying, Hey, you know, 
Hey, Dennis, won't you explain who Eddie Haskell is uh, yeah. to, the, to, the, to the younger people? I yeah. know who he is, and Jason definitely knows who oh, he I is. Call, I, I call every kid that comes over here, especially here. <laughs> oh, hey, don't, don't be no Eddie Haskell over here. He's. <laughs> do you want to explain it, Dennis? You want me to? I could do it. I could do it. Listen, there was a show called Leave it to Beaver, and in that show, Eddie Haskell was the kiss kiss ass next door neighbor who would always come over and gee mrs beaver your cooking is great gee the house looks good he you know what every family has every every family who has a kid has a kid that's like that and you know when little timmy comes over he's just gonna kiss your butt because maybe he wants an extra cookie or this or that that was kind of who eddie haskell was right okay oh my uh, god oh, yes whoa 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 you, you left out a huge huge part Outside of the house, he would be the, the most maniac person ever. So there is this kid now. He would be like, oh, Mrs. Cleaver, I love you. Oh, my gosh. I, I will do. I will clean the dishes. I'll do whatever. And then outside, he'd be like going and, and, and uh, robbing donut stores or something like that or like getting, getting leave it or getting Wally and Beaver into like some serious trouble. So there is this guy. And I'm going to give you a quick story. We'll get back. There's this kid that comes over. Great kid. His name's Brett. Well, out here, I'm in Kansas, you know, it's, and, and it should be this way anywhere, but, but I'm from California and it was, you know, you, Hey, Jason or Mr. Kendall out here is what Mr. Kendall or Mrs. Kendall. Well, my wife's name is Trisha and he would come over here. And so they were obviously this quarantine is going on and they're wrestlers and everything. He, he goes, um, listen, my mom, uh, one of my, my oldest son goes, you know, my mom's not digging it and this and that. And he goes, Hey, E it worked. <laughs> Ethan, tell Trish I got it covered. I'll come over and talk to her. Whoa. <laughs> Trish, number one, Trish. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, this, this kid is Eddie Haskell. He's the nicest, most polite kid. Hi, Mr. Kendall. Hi, Mrs. Kendall. But he called my wife Trish, and I go, do I need to bow up to this kid? <laughs> Trust me, I don't need – my wife is Korean, and she took care of it. But it's actually – and I told him, I go, you're Eddie Haskell, dude. What are you guys doing outside? What are you doing outside? So that's who Eddie Haskell is. Is he's the most polite, perfect person ever. But when you get outside, oh, he, he's causing some trouble. Yeah, he's a shady son of a bitch. Mm -hmm. But that that promo, uh, it was it was the most Eddie Haskell promo you could ever see. Uh, you know, they're talking about bringing blood. A grown ass Eddie Haskell. Too. Yeah, but yeah. it was still perfect just because if people of this time knew. Eddie Haskell. That's just had the, how had it a little var varsity little sweater loved on it. and everything. Loved it. Loved like, it. Hell yeah. So yeah, it was it was it was an interesting promo. Uh, let's move on because they were trying to kill time as they put the barbed wire on the Chicago Street Fight match, which was next. We got a Gary Hart promo, which I love. Gary Hart. That guy mm -hmm. was always phenomenal. With Al Perez, I'm listen. Al Perez is Al Perez. You are not expecting a phenomenal promo for him. But I'm just going to say, watch Gary Hart's face as Al Perez delivers this promo. He's looking away. He's just, he, at one point, I think he just kind of shook his head like, what is this guy talking about? Oh, boy. But Dennis D, how great was the barbed wire? Like, if you put the, the, the barbed wire today, how much more unbelievable would it be, obviously? But back then, you're like, oh, man. Oh, he just threw him into it. was like one little strings and like going up down and everything. Now it'd be like fully, but that's what was cool to me to watch that, to watch like where they have come from 
from I mean, because it was one little, two little pieces of barbed wire that's going up and down, up and down, up and down. Now it'd be like fully. Well, I mean, you got Undertaker throwing mankind on nails and stuff, but you know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and by the yeah. way, you know what? Hold on, I want I wanted to say something about Al Perez because I used to watch him in Continental Wrestling. It always came on in, in Alabama when I lived out there, and that was the first time I saw the the Latin heartthrob Al Perez and. And if you look at him, doesn't he look like um, Seth Rollins? Like he didn't. He doesn't cut the same promo. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, oh, if, if, yes. if Alvarez was able to talk, he would have been a world champion by far. But he did not have the ability to talk, and sometimes his wrestling was kind of subpar. Yeah. But- the, the fact that you just said that, I'm sitting here when I watched him, like, oh my gosh, who does he look like? Who does he look like? Who does he look like? Identical. Identical. Great call, D. I, but here's the thing. Back in that era, uh, Dimitri, we were younger. And I didn't know what good wrestling versus bad wrestling was. There are a lot of guys, like, I'll be honest. I thought Lex Luger was a phenomenal wrestler growing up because that's who we watched. I didn't know, you know, the proper way to do an arm bar or a chokehold. It looked good, and I was in, and they told me to like this guy. I like that guy. So then now, growing up, when I hear these guys are like, oh, Lex Luger was a horrible wrestler. I go, what? So I, I, I think we give a lot of those guys a pass back then at our age, whether they're good or bad wrestlers. But the one thing from this promo I got was how phenomenal Gary Hart was just talking low, not raising his voice, being monotone, yes. make, making you believe what he was saying without getting loud, without, hey, let me tell you something, brother. This uh, Gary Hart was just like this, and uh, we, you know, Dusty Rhodes were coming for that U.S. title or the television title or whatever. You know, that was what Gary Hart did the best, and Oh man, it was so fun watching that Gary Hart. I mean, I mean, and that's how he always was. Yeah, I I got to watch him in UWF because he had he had all the different wrestling. He had the Angel of Death during that time, and and watching him cut those promos, he if he did raise his voice, it wasn't a yell. It was just like it was subtle, but he had you engaged. Like, man, I hope I don't see these people out in real life because I don't know how I'm gonna handle this situation. Like they had me scared as a young young kid watching wrestling, just by the promos alone and and the way that he cuts a promo. It's one of those ones that you know you got to watch out for the silent guy kind of promo. Yeah, and, yeah and, absolutely. And I'll, I'll I'll say something that we haven't even talked about was at the, even the beginning of the show where they had uh, Tony Schiavone. And even oh, who was the other guy that opened the show up? Bob Cottle. Yes. Do t- t- you mean Wade Boggs? Wade Boggs. Tell me, oh, Tony Schiavone don't look like Wade Boggs. He he did. Yeah, yeah I could see that with actually the, with, the, with, with that nice um, porn stash mm-hmm. that you're trying to grow again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that camera angle was phenomenal. Let it grow, let it grow, let it grow. But mm-hmm. but back to Gary Hart for one second, and I want to see if I can make a correlation between wrestling and baseball here, which we like to do. Was there a guy that you both have played with in the past that had that monotone, but when he spoke, he had that attention and he didn't have to raise the voice, and you knew he was serious when he listen. Let me tell you something, Dimitri, and or or even Jason, or it might have been either one of you guys. You know what? You know what, Robert Fig brought this gentleman up when he talked, and I played with him for two years, and it was Dean Palmer. And 
Dean was one of those, you know he's around. He's a great guy, but he was like that silent assassin. And what I learned when I got over to the Detroit, there's Dean Palmer and then there's Dino. So you already know what I'm getting at. You have yep. nice, calm dude, and then you have psychotic uh, you guy. Want, yeah, you don't want to mess with that you guy. Don't mess right with that. Yep. He, he's gonna he's gonna tear a whole locker room up and your neck in the process. Uh, Jason, how about you? I, I, I'd have to think about that, but I was that guy. I, I was the guy that that just would be real quiet. Um, obviously, you guys can't tell that the way we're doing our show because I can't stop. I can't shut up. But it's a different we, time too, and you can be a different time, person. Absolutely. But I, when I played, I was I kept to myself. If something needed to be said, I would take somebody in a corner and like, "Hey, this is how you do it." Da, 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 like we've spoken about, like Dimitri and I both have spoken out about before. Um, but I was always the calm guy, and people never knew what to think of me, and <laughs> they still don't. But and that's a good thing. You always want to keep that guard up. Keep them guessing. Keep them I mean, guessing. I, I keep you always keep them guessing, like. You three and whoever's listening know that, hey, can you guys shut Kendall up, please? Hey, Dennis' daughter, how you doing? Yes, I'm, I mean, she I'm the nicest guy in the world, but when I played, completely different person. So, yes, I, I'm that guy. All right. Heckle and Jide. Uh, and then uh, we saw. Heckle and Jide, not Heckle and Jide. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we saw a, a, a another interesting promo once again as they were setting up the ropes where we got the top ten seeds for the Cornet Cup tag team titles. The and what cup? Not the Cornet Cup. I am so sorry. Uh, yeah, so the Crockett Cup. There we go. I had Cornet on my mind, but uh, the woman delivering mm. this seemed so uninterested. It was like Amy, quick, get it on. It was camera. somebody's. It was someone's great. It was Tweety Bird's grandmama. Why was she doing doing that? Yeah. Oh, God. She just looks so uninterested. She's like, quick, let me get this done. All right, here are the top 10 seeds for the, you know, let me get this over. monotone, too. It was, like, boring. It was like, oh, my God. I actually have the seeds right here if we want to go through them real quick. Yeah, let's go through them real quick just to let the people know what wrestling was back in 88. At number 10 was uh, Ivan Koloff and Dick Murdoch. I mean, Dick. Back then, phenomenal. Sting and Ron Garvin. Well, well, hey, don't don't leave out Ivan Koloff, former WWWF champion, guy that broke up um, Bruno San Martino's streak. Mm. Good point. Give him some love. Come on, give him some love. Listen, I mean, we're going to talk about Ivan in, in, in the Koloffs a little he bit. He was going on at number nine until I had to pause you. Well, you're going to have to do that a lot. I'm, I'm going to power through this, so stop me anytime you want. Uh, Sting and Ron Garvin. Once again, one of those periods you go, well, oh, okay, I remember. Little, you know, let's ragtag team. Let's talk about who Ronnie Garvin is real quick before we go on to number eight. Listen, uh, go ahead. Well, Ronnie Garvin was um, the gentleman that beat Ric Flair for the World Heavyweight Belt. He held it for like three weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. And there. Rick Flair wound up regaining it, and um, he is really Jimmy Garvin's stepdad. Really? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Get on Wikipedia. Do your history work, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also. Oh, you know, and Ronnie Garvin was known as the Hands of Stone. Yeah, he um, was like not like. Uh, and the Garvin stomp that oh. Randy Orton does—that's the guy yes. that he got. That, the wow. Garvin Stomp. If, That's the guy. If you remember wrestling in the late 80s, early 90s, you'll remember Garvin. I believe he had, what, purple types back then? 
Like this, he was he he wasn't in there that long because he was he was an older guy by that time. He was like right. in his late forties when he beat he was, Ric Flair. He was in a, I think he was in the Survivor Series, a couple Survivor yeah. Series maybe. But if you go yeah, back and he look, was. he's got this like bleach blonde military cut hair. Spike. Yep. I mean, it's like kid and play like box. Guile from like Guile from Street Fighter. Oh, good, good, cool. <laughs> So yeah, if if go back, I, the Garvin stomp might be one of my top ten favorite wrestling moves because it was one of those that you had to slow it down, and you were excited. I mean, he's boom, 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 boom. Every area where he got, and he just stomps, and it hurts. And Randy Orton did a great job. I hope he starts doing that again. I would, I would like to see him do that on Edge. Yes. Yeah, I still have beef with Edge. <laughs> I love it. We'll I love hear, it. I cannot, cannot wait to talk about it. We'll hear about that next month. Uh, the Varsity Club is at number eight. Once again, we put them over heavily at the beginning of the show. The Fantastics, you know, I just, I did not get them. I did not, I was not a Fantastics guy. Even growing up, it was just seemed a little like, it seemed hokey. And by the way, during that match, I, you know what, I don't even want to talk about it. But the fantastic, no, because you bring up the most cornet. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic's coming at seven. Uh, Barry Windham, Lex Luger, at number six. We'll talking about, yeah, we'll be talking about them in a few minutes. It definitely powers of pain, which we'll be talking about very close next at number five. The Midnight Express at number four. The Road Warriors at number three. Nikita Koloff and Dusty Rhodes at number two, and then yes, uh, and the number Look one. My shirt. Yes. Uh, I saw that. Nice. And then I'm Dimitri the Black Russian. Love it. <laughs> and then Arnie. You want to see my name in Russian? Sure. Can you see that? Wow. And yeah. well, I what is I can't. What is oh, it? It's Dimitri Young in Russian. Love it. How do you how do you pronounce it? Dimitri Young. No. <laughs> <laughs> in Russian. Well, I know I like I, I couldn't see it. I I didn't see it that much. Like you showed it and looked like it started with an uh, A. Yeah, that's 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 the letter. And for the people watching at home. Amps. Dimitri Young. But Amps uh, something. I did just take a yeah, picture the, of it. The Russian alphabet is like a whole bunch of letters, yeah, and for, some of them compare to others. And and I got clarification. It wasn't like you know those famous people go get tattoos and no, you, you don't know what it say is. like monkey dick, and it's supposed yeah. to say serenity. No, yeah. it said Dmitry Young, and it's Dmitry Young, a Russian. My ex girlfriend's brother's wife was full blown Russian, and so she did all our names in Russian. And so I wound up getting a couple of my gloves with the Russian's name awesome. on there, and then I got it tattooed right there. And so that's actually recent, that's, that's recently cool. going through the airport. You know, the woman, uh, the woman at the TSA was like, "Hey, you know, your name is Russian because I spell it D M I T R I. You know, it's not Americanized or anything." 
And I was like, yeah, I have a tattoo of my name. And then I pulled it up and showed her, and she was like, oh, that is so cool. <laughs> Dennis, you have any tattoos? Uh, I have one. Uh, I got it after my first divorce, and it's real small because I was afraid it was going to hurt. So I didn't want to get what, That's what girls get, small tattoos. Thanks. I know. And it's uh, the, the, old, the old B for Boston, where I'm from. The Boston Red Sox B. It's cute. Thanks. Living in Michigan. Yeah, well, let's see. <laughs> I, I also I made many bad mistakes in my life, all right? Uh, let's move on. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, we all have. <laughs> let's move on to the Chicago Street Fight Road Warriors with uh, Dusty Rhodes and uh, Powers of Pain with uh, the Koloff. Uh, Jason, uh, Dimitri, i tell you what. Well, I knew the, I, I knew the storyline beforehand with Animal, Animal had on the mask. Going after his eye. Weightlifting, and they had the cinder block that busted his eye open and, and that whole thing. And so so you can go ahead and talk about it. I, I know everything that, that went on with it. And I, and I was just like, oh, my God, this is just like a, what Jim Ross used to say, a Pier 6 brawl where it was just no control of anything going on. I just, I just like the action and, the, and just – Having strong guys just—I I would love to see like if if you know today's and, and listen, the, the, today's wrestling is pretty damn good, in my opinion. But I mean, when they when you go back, this was 1988. I mean, I guess it's not too too. It's far for us. These guys just beat the, and they still do it today. Crap out of themselves. It, it was awesome to watch. I mean, it was. Here we go, and this match was just like. Big dude after big dude after big dude, and let's go. And so it it was it was fun to watch. I mean, if it would be my next favorite match, if the whole cornet thing, we're getting back to that. <laughs> I, I I will say this: what made this match great was it was sweet, fast, and simple. Uh, you, I, whenever I watch matches where people can't really use the ropes, they put the barbed wire in the ropes. There's no bouncing off the ropes. It's six men in a ring punching each other. As sometimes, Big men. Yeah, but sometimes it can go wrong. It can go long and become boring. This was not one of those mo- – they kept it short, sweet. Because uh, they had to, like, close Dusty's head up. <laughs> they had to get him back there. To, <laughs> well, they had to get him back in the training room. <laughs> they just closed that thing up like an awning. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what it is short. So uh, – Guys, what would you rank this match? I'll say it. I'm going to say a two. Not that it was bad, but it was quick. They just punched and hit each other, and it was over. There was the attack after the match where they, you know, ripped off the mask and then, you know, tried to go after uh, Animal's eye again. But I tell you. I'm saying a five. You, you can take your two and shove it. I'm saying a five. Dimitri? I was, I was going to give it a two, seven, five. Uh, see, only there. because there, only because there was a story, there was storytelling behind it. There was no wrestling maneuvers. There was it was unsanctioned. Nothing cute about it. It was just like eh, 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 exactly. Eh. That's why and it's then, a five. Then, and then afterwards, they continued to beat the stank out of each other. It was like, yeah, that's yep. what that was for, just for people to get riled up. To, it riled me up. <laughs> I give it a five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got ass, you got ass kickers, ass kickers. That's it. But we're we're kind of on the same page here. I thought it was a good match, uh, but it you was gave what, it a two. No, you didn't. I listen for what it was. It was six guys in the ring. Not a masterpiece. No, it wasn't. It was just punching each other, and 
there was that's nothing wrong with stuff. it. It worked out good. But you know, if I have to create a rating system, which I don't even know, well, your would... rating system sucks. Thanks, Jason. Uh, I appreciate it. How about Dimitri's? Because he was right on my par with mine. He had a two point seven though. He didn't go two. Two point seven is closer to three, which I can see. Dimitri's right. You're wrong. <laughs> Dimitri with your point six and point sevens, you mm-hmm. yeah. Hey, I'm kind of doing it like Meltzer. Yeah. All right. All right, Dimitri Mel- Meltzer. <laughs> let's move on. Uh the next match was the NWA World Tag Team Championships. Alex Luger, Barry Windham versus Aaron Anderson, Tully Blanchard. Another one of these matches where the crowd was hot throughout the night. Uh if this this was up there. As one of my favorites, I still, you know, Sting Flair, nothing beats them, no matter how many times. But, you know, you have to take Sting Flair out of it. This this right here, this was a masterpiece. This was what tag team wrestling should be. All four guys, superstars. I sat back, and I enjoyed this for every bit of what it was. I'm, I'm right there with you because I... I told you I, was, I watched that at the beginning. I love Lex Luger, and even like like you were saying, he wasn't a great worker or anything like that. I just remember he came in and bulldozing everybody. Then he had a friendship with Barry Windham, and I was a big Barry Windham fan. I was like, look at this big long. And he was like, what was that old wrestling game back in the day? Um, it was like a wrestling game. Pro like, wrestling, it was I a think. Guy- yeah, yeah. One of the guys was named um, King Slender. Yeah, I think it's just and, pro yeah, wrestling. And, and, yeah, and King Slender reminded me of Barry Windham. And I was a big Barry Windham fan. Didn't even know that his daddy was a Black Jack Mulligan at the time. And really didn't know that, you know, because him and Mike Rotunda was the U.S. Express back in WWF. back, And they won the tag team belts a couple of times. And didn't know the relationship that they had way back then that, wait a minute, Mike Rotunda married Barry Windham's sister. Mm-hmm. And out comes a... Uh, 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 Wyndham Rotunda, and then um, what's Bo um, Dallas's real name? Rotunda. Sure. Well, Bo yeah. Dallas Rotunda. Yeah. So I was always those guys' fans. So when they beat Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard for the belts, you know, I was pumped. And little did we know that shortly thereafter, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard became the Brain Busters, managed by Bobby Heenan and Jason. Favorite land, WWF. <laughs> yeah, no, it is pro wrestling. And then NES, King Slender. Yep. <laughs> By the way, what's great about this match is think about the history. I mean, even in this match, you can't help but think about the history that these four guys will be will have throughout WCW, NWA. I mean, it was almost like they became so intertwined with each other, whether... It was Luger fighting this guy. It, it, all part of it. Luger getting Sting's back. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> uh, Jason showing us a picture of the old game. I used to play that game like crazy. Mm-hmm. So uh, Phenomenal. And J.G. Dillon, by the way, I can't. Oh. One of my favorites. Oh, he was so involved in that uh, match. Yes. And, and, and it backfired at the end. But it's just like you see how important having a manager. Yes was back in the day and and that's kind of what i like about aew except i want those guys to have more involvement i know tully blanchard has involvement with sean spears but like um arn anderson is a coach for 
mm-hmm. for Cody Rose, and then you have Jake the Snake Roberts, who put snakes on women. And, Who's to be uh, playing wiffle ball with us. <laughs> and then now you have Taz with um, Brian, with Brian Cage. Cage. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of liking it, but I want to see more out of what these managers going to do. And I'm pretty sure it's once the crowds get back in there, we'll see more involvement with those guys. I, I tell you what, I'm kind of on par, but I think there needs to be a mix. Uh, you, you have, I think it's a little top heavy with legends as managers, you still have to have your kind of the weaselly nerdy guy that manages and kind of get your Jim Cornettes or your Bobby Heenan's. No, no, we don't like Jim Cornette. Or your, well, I mean, S characters. And you still need to have your female managers who uses her sex appeal to, uh, you know. Uh, well, that's what the, Brandy Rhodes was supposed to do. Yeah, but now Brandy Rhodes has transcended that role. I'm just saying in general, though. I think there needs to be a good mix of veteran leadership and management and the weaselly guys that, you know. The Paul Heyman guy. I mean. Kind of, yeah, Paul Heyman. At, I mean, and Paul Heyman's huge, and we get it. But well, Paul Heyman used to be Paulie Dangerously. He, 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 mm-hmm. he busted Bobby his the brain. ass to become the best. Captain Lou. I mean, yeah, all those guys. They're all a little weasel. You talk about weasel, Bobby the Brain. But, I mean, all those guys, that's. It's entertaining. <laughs> Mouth of the South. Mouth yeah. of the South. Yeah, it's mouth. hard. I mean, you can go on and on and on. That's, that's, that's like that's like added value. Mm-hmm. Nope. I, I 100% agree with you guys. I, I, this was throwback, and this was, one. like I said, one of the pay-per-views I really enjoyed watching. And it, it, it's, a car, it's, a, it's a nice going this back. This is how Dennis Smart Dimitri is. Is he knew that if we go back and bring this to the table, we're going to have these conversations. I'm assuming I, I bet you get more emails tonight about questions and certain things, but that's Dimitri and his wrestling knowledge. I mean, that's I'm, D. I, I'm sitting here talking. Absolutely, I mean, it's brilliant though. I can't. This this is why. Now, in, in full disclosure, Jason, even before wrestling with sports became a th- thing. I was all over Dimitri. Like, Dimitri, I mean, even if it wasn't with me, you need to be out there doing something, some sort of wrestling podcast, some sort of baseball. You're way too smart. And for easily, Dimitri was a year. I I would pop in and out once every couple months. Like, why are you not doing something? So it makes me super happy to see you do that. No, thank you. Thank you. I, and thank you for giving me the platform to do this. And then having a former player like Jason Kendall, and I'm, I'm getting to know him, and it's like, man, Right. Imagine, imagine the team if we were on there together. Because I love, I love Jason's attitude. Oh, we, 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 we would have. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! It, 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 you know what? We'd win. We both hit about three fifty, yeah. but we wouldn't sleep for one hundred and sixty-two games. <laughs> what, what do they say? Sleep when you're dead. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's move on to why we're all here and. Once again, I mean, I this might be one of my top three favorite Stingfler matches of all time. Because, Dimitri, we grew up in this era. Stingflare, whether it was going to be on TV or on pay-per-view, for us, it was an, a main event. It was it. And I could watch Stingflare wrestle every night for the rest of my life. I mean, these two, when they got in the ring, I don't know what it was about their chemistry, but to watch those two guys dance in a ring is just, 
I don't think back. And here was a question I wanted to ask you guys. I mean, seriously, thinking back, you put two people in a ring. Were there any two other people than Flair and Sting that got in a ring that made you believe more than those two guys in, in all of wrestling? Maybe the Sting, Flair, um, not Sting and Flair, um, Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair. Uh, eat, steal, like, to me, that, savage that, that too. is on par. That is on par. But what I saw out of that match right there, like I was freaking blown away. 45 minutes and it was a draw. And, 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 and it was like I never stopped watching. Like I watched the everything the first night and I left the – Flair Sting match for last night and I sat there for over 45 minutes watching that match never once did I go to the bathroom push pause or do anything I was so captivated but then I was like taking notes and like I told you about uh, earlier about who Sting reminded me of and if, when you watch the match I'm going to say this name John Cena nice so, great like, oh. like, like, now I'm starting to think that if John Cena modeled himself after anybody, it has to be that young Sting, the, the Beecher, Spike Blonde. That hmm. I think that's who John Cena modeled himself after just by watching that match, him beating on his chest, uh, yes. and, and, and just powering out everything. And Ric Flair, oh my god, how, how about? Every, yeah, he was a freaking weasel, man. He'll get one, two, but like he's done. He'll put his foot leg on, on the, the rope. Ring roll. Oh, uh, I love it. Do something. I, I mean, he had me cracking up the entire match. But that that in itself, I mean, that to me that was that was five stars. That to me that was the best match by far. Oh, absolutely. It rated. That that should have been a five point five. It should have been higher than that. And it was sad that it ended the way that it did, but oh my God, the entire, watching all the old school moves, the pace of the match, watching how Ric Flair was like the ring general, but you'll see Sting do his thing too at the, that match made Sting. Okay, I, 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 I couldn't agree more. And you know what? You dropped the whole old school moves and everything. Boy, I'm going to tell you what. The eye to the rope, the top of the rope, I absolutely <laughs> think that is one of the greatest things ever, and they definitely need to bring that back. And Sting took Flair's head, and 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 it, bam, and it makes sense. I mean, you can't do. He just rubbed his eyeballs with the rope. <laughs> I mean, you, you talk about brilliant, but you talk about like when I said this earlier, the flop and the soccer stuff. It's I guarantee you they all got it from Flair because. When he Easily. would go face first, there wasn't like my hands are going down first. Like nobody can see. No, it was straight to the head. So <laughs> it was an unbelievable match. The only thing that I didn't like about that match was the fact that, but obviously once again, it's just for ratings, was the fact that it, it became a draw and they had, you know, it was like, you know, a, a boxing match that let somebody win because that, I would have loved to see Sting. Oh, you're right. Keep right, that on. They said they was supposed it was supposed to be a winner. It was definitely going to be a winner. Yeah. But unfortunately, because it was a draw, Ric Flair was the winner. I would have loved to see time expire and Steam just stay right there. Here's here's another next level thing about this match. Going even back to before it begins, there's only been a handful of times. If you go back and watch Ric Flair entrances, 
There's only been a few of them where he doesn't style and profile. He doesn't have a smile on his face. He doesn't have his arms out and do the turn so you see the back of it. I mean, this this match, you can go back to the Royal Rumble where he came at number two and won it. Those, I mean, I don't have a list. I wish I did in front of me of the times he did this. But there were only a handful of times where Ric Flair, when they announced his name, he walked down the aisle. He had this razor-sharp look in his eye where you knew business was about to go down. Ric Flair wasn't playing around. This wasn't a game to Ric Flair. There was something a little bit personal to this match. Like, he came out with that chip on the shoulder. It wasn't the style and profile of Ric Flair. It was business Ric Flair. And when you see that look, whenever if you can find a Ric Flair match and he has that look, I think those are the Ric Flair matches that are some of the best. Well, a lot of people that idolize Ric Flair, I'm not really sure that they've seen the back-in-the-day Ric Flair. Like, they saw Ric Flair when he came in WWE. Great point. I'm talking about, and I'm talking about after WCW went under, but I'm talking about the the four horsemen back in the day when when it was when it was Ole Anderson. We'll mm-hmm. we'll go way back to the beginning, and even before then, like Ric Flair talk about wrestling sixty minutes, and he's doing that nightly. And so when I was watching that, I forgot how great he was. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people don't know if he was a heel or a face, but Ric Flair's best work was as a heel and as the leader of the Four Horsemen. And and watching J.J. Dillon, because they kept flashing up to J.J. Dillon in the cage looking like a, you know, a guy <laughs> trying to escape, but he was really – he really had nothing to do with the match outside of yelling. But, like, Jason was talking about the showmanship that Ric Flair was doing and, and how sneaky he was and – and how loud those chops were when he was hitting Sting. Good God almighty. Oh, my God. It was unbelievable. It was I think, crazy. I think Dimitri just said it best. is Because I don't know how many people are 44, 45, 46. I don't know how many from 45 to 50, say, are listening to the show. But the, the younger crowds that are listening to this, go back and watch. Like, there's a reason everybody, when he watched And watch, and watch Sting, it, too. And, well, Sting's the same thing. Go back and watch these things because I'm going to tell you what, it is something special. It, and, and it's now you know why. And then you would know why now when Flair does come out or, you know, two years ago, whatever it was, Sting came in um, to WWE or I don't know how long ago it was. The, the ovations and the, it's unbelievable the the way these guys apps just wrestled. It was well, unbelievable. Why do, why, well, why do you think. Um- Vince McMahon buried Sting when he got to WWE finally after all those years. You know, he opted not to come to WWE when WCW oh. got bought. I mean, it was like, if, if anything, put Sting over. Because all the work that he did before he got to TNA, like all that work, because I saw him back before he was in w, and, and NWA when he was in UWF. UWF was Mid-South Wrestling that wound up being syndicated. Bill Watts owned that, and a lot of great wrestlers came from there, and then they merged with um, NWA, and then all, all the titles wind up being merged with WC, uh, NWA. But, I mean, oh, my God, what you saw out of Sting, like, that's how it was like, oh, my God, that's John Cena right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, because Sting was in, like, I mean, 
that was a young sting right there. He was like, like I, I can't wait because when when we're off of the show and the kids are in bed and everything, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna put a, a you know John Cena here and then a sting here, and because I can I can kind of I, I know what you're saying, but I cannot go wait to put them side by side and see because. If you can tell, I guarantee you we'll be able to tell. Because when you talk about the pound of the chest and, you know, boom, that was it. You're right. So I can't – I'm going to go back tonight and watch certain matches. Can, can and we, I guarantee you that's where he got it from. Although, He's that thing was that great. Can we talk about the most NWA and WCW thing about this match that did make me kind of crack up? Was the celebrities that they had as the judges <laughs> oh. for this match? <laughs> Wonder oh, Year, Eddie, well, Eddie Haskell, Eddie Haskell, oh. everybody, and I can't well, remember the other star, one. That was the star for Jason Harvey because he was—he's <laughs> been embedded in professional wrestling for a long, long time, and that was—that was like his basic star. What was he like 16, 17? Yeah, oh yeah. So hang on, this is this is this was my point though was. You have an iconic match such as Ric Flair versus Sting, and you're giving the decision, uh, someone as a decision maker to a 17-year-old boy and a Playboy Playmate? What no, were the was, no, 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 that wasn't a Playboy pay, Playmate. She was a pet. Oh, I'm and sorry. Pets a pet, were yeah. usually from Penthouse. Pet. But at the time, what were the two hottest shows, besides the Penthouse one, what were the two hottest shows in America? Uh, I, I guess you're right. Wonder Years was right there. I loved it. Everybody loved Wonder Years, and I, maybe the old reruns for Leave It to Beaver. And uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't know age wise and how long ago, but but yeah, so time out. So so if if let's pretend this was real life for one half second. All right, and, Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Pam Anderson. <laughs> just to answer your question. <laughs> So it so it goes. We, 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 would need, we would need one of those beautiful ladies from today. Yeah, but like someone Pamela someone, Anderson. She getting too much sunlight. She might know. But, okay, but, uh, we'll, but hang on. It's Dimitri Young versus Jason Kindle for the world heavyweight title, and someone goes, "Okay, guys, let's pretend this is real life. Our judges are going to be Jason Harvey from the Wonder Years, uh, Eddie Haskell, Angel Hernandez." <laughs> <laughs> Angel Hernandez, for everybody out there that that doesn't know, is the worst umpire. (laughs) And he's still behind the plate. He's still working games ever. I mean, the worst umpire ever. Uh, Bad umpire. So we know Demetri Young will be the hill because him and CB Buckner are both pretty awful. (laughs) Great people. Bad umpire. Oh, bad. Get a different gig. All right. So. Overall, I would recommend this pay-per-view for people to watch. This is definitely one of these pay-per-views. If you've not seen it, go out. Make only two hours. That was the beauty of this pay-per-view. It was under two hours. I think like 150, 140, something, somewhere around there. It was, you didn't have to dedicate a lot of time. And and it really felt faster than what it really was. It was because everything was fast-paced and it was action-packed. It was like there was no slow periods except for the Sting and Flair match, which, of course, they're drawing it out 45 minutes. So when they had a headlock in, they was holding it for a few minutes. And then, you know, they'll do something and then they'll get back in it. So, you know, they was drawing it out. But at the end of the match, nobody looked tired. And you know what? I want to I want to do a compliments to Tommy Young, the umpire. I mean, not the umpire, <laughs> baseball, the referee, how important. A referee is in matches like that. I mean, he was bouncing around. He should be more tired than Sting and Flair. 
you the know, way that he was moving around. Mm-hmm. I, oh, there's one slide. He slid. He slid. He almost oh, slid yeah. out of the ring. Oh, yes. And I'm like, and then he caught himself, and I'm like, but bam! It was money. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yes, he caught himself. He slid so hard he almost slid out of the ring. Do you, Do you know who we have coming up this week, Dimitri? Speaking of referees, hopefully it's not Jacob Ellsbury or um, Angel Hernandez. It's neither one of those. Former WWE referee Jimmy Corrientes. Yeah. How did you want that? Hey, listen, I've got my commit my connections. I think it would be fun to sit down and talk to a oh. and wipe around wipe around your mouth. Oh, 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 oh. oh. <laughs> that's cute. How about just say you're welcome, okay? How about you're welcome? Yeah, Jimmy Corrientes is coming on. We get to oh, geek man. out and talk wrestling. Because listen, uh, I I still want to know what referees do. And kind of their mini producers, they help. You know, it, it's it's going to be fun, and I can't wait to talk to him. So yeah, Sammy Callahan, Jimmy Corrientes coming up this week. Beautiful. I know, right? Our, and by the way, go back to this match. We in this podcast on this. We didn't even talk about the last five minutes of this match. How? Oh, the last thirty seconds. Oh, the even yes. How you could tell the storytelling through this match, the urgency in the way Sting moved, the moves that were. Kevin happening. Arnold's brother decided to. Dis- I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but but yes, I mean, but the the end of this match, you know, the countdown. You have Sting going at it. He puts him in the the. the the, the death lock, and he's just, you know, waiting, and Flair's trying to hold out, and is he going to tap, is he not? There have been many moments throughout wrestling that have tried to duplicate that. That right there, that moment of, you know, three, two, one, you didn't know what was going to happen. I bought into it, even now. The, la- the, the last 10 seconds, I thought originally Ric Flair was going to tap, and then I'm watching last night, and I'm seeing the same thing, and, and- even though I know the outcome, I'm still like, "Ooh, he's about to tap." I'm telling I'm like, you, how I do dig, I still get that feeling? I dig the time limit. Yeah. I dig it. I think it's like really, really cool because Dennis, I think you said it earlier. Yeah, yeah, it's it just kind of there's that you get more anxiety. I, I love it. I wish they would bring that back in a couple of matches. You know, you know, they have matches for everything now. Yeah, I wish that you know a time limit match twenty and, and put some belts up there. Obviously, you're not going to put the um you know the heavyweight you know the, the big belts up there, but put a tag team match or, uh, up there like that, or or you know United States. That would be awesome because it's basically going to be 25 minutes, 30 minutes. I think they're most of them were 25 minutes. Is what I heard, um, just going at it and these and these guys showing off what they can do for 25 minutes as hard as they can do. I think that would be really cool. I kind of agree. The lost art of that time limit, even the WCW, you know, listen, time limit draws. I I was not mad that this match ended in a draw because throughout this whole match, it was a phenomenal match. I didn't, it was a seesaw battle. Yeah, I didn't like the the celebrity guests. Yeah, and Kevin the, Arnold's brother is the one that decided. That's that's the part that I didn't like either. Wayne, yeah. I love Wayne. Wayne, but I didn't. I, <laughs> so yeah that part you minus that everything was phenomenal i wasn't mad it ended in a time limit drop because that gives you that anything can happen illusion that these men were both equal at the time and listen 
in retrospect, from what we've seen in wrestling over the last 20 to 30 years from that match, how many times a championship would just change hands over and over and over and over again and made it feel less special? The fact that this didn't change hands, the fact that it ended in the draw, it made me really believe that this was a high prize and the best two people in that ring were going for it. Oh. And Kevin Arnold's only- brother freaking figured – I mean, that's what we got. Man! <laughs> Stop talking, stop talking about Wayne like that. He, I don't know. Wayne, Wayne, Wayne bothered me. I mean, a little fluffy. Are you talking about on the show or in real life? Both. <laughs> Sometimes you don't like people. Yeah, I, I, I had a problem. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, great great pay-per-view. Uh, Dimitri, we'll start with you. Overall rating for a pay per view, which listen, I'll I'll say uh, this. Uh, give, give give us a scale. Well, one uh, one to five, five being best. And by the way, ratings are very subjective here because for whatever reason, you rate it whatever you want. Whether you know you didn't like how dark it was, you can take points off. We're not going to knock anybody for our own little rating skills. We have our own reasons to rate things differently so keep that in mind as we do these shows ratings are going to vary based off just whatever okay um for me based on the crowd reaction one that was a five absolutely the crowd was into it and and i i made a note that during the match did you see the grandmas that were sitting in the front row during the sting match i mean i mean we have full-grown real grandmas and they were all lined up and then did you see how Ric Flair after um the the um the the Patty whoever the um the playmate Mullins. was yeah you know how you know she kind of waved at Ric Flair like this like yeah, yeah baby you know, hey, she rode on Space Mountain baby you know? had to have and, and, <laughs> and, and, and just watching and, and watching the matches there was like there was no boring matches the crowd was interactive I mean to the point where it was just like man. And, and 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 look at what they were working with too. There was no cushiony mats that they were. No mats. They were straight concrete. Mm-hmm. Was, the old astroturf that we used to play on. Serious <laughs> <is> work. <laughs> yeah, right. Not Montreal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it was just like I was just taken away from the whole thing. I'm gonna give it a five out of five. Jason. There's a reason why we asked Dimitri to go first, and it obviously has to do with his knowledge of everything. Not to say that you're not knowledgeable, Dennis, but there is a reason why we asked him to go first so we could make this actually uh, uh, this show kind of work. And if you go back and watch what we just <laughs> watched again, boy, it's it's really five plus 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 plus. Don't the, the reason I asked. Because I want to have Dimitri's input on when he was there for the um, 2005 Survivor Series. I think that's cool because he was actually there and he actually was in the the event. But I don't know if anybody anything can beat what we just watched. It was that good. Yeah, uh, I I agree. I give it a five versus five. Even even the things I didn't like about this pay-per-view were just so small and subtle stuff. And that's just me trying to find things to be nitpicky about overall. This brought me right back to my childhood. And that's what we want. When we go back and watch an old wrestling show, no matter how old you are, whether you go back and want to 
watch WrestleMania 2000 or the first pay-per-view you might have had in the 90s or the 80s. You want to recapture that feeling you had of sitting on the couch, eating pizza next to your parents, no matter how many years go by. And I really had that feeling watching this pay-per-view of, man, you know, this this brought me back to the time where I had a family and we were close. Without a doubt. And especially now in this quarantine, it's right there. Yep. It's right there. It was that good. It brought it brought you back to watching. Listen, I don't know how many times over the pay-per-view or over these podcasts we talk about The Undertaker, and I knock him for wrestling, really being older and wrestling and not, not enjoying what he used to do. This right here, Flair and Sting, they're in their 50s and 60s. Oh, look at that. That's but 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 this right here you know it, go back i i want to i tell wrestling fans all the time go back and watch some of your favorite wrestlers old youtube stuff just enjoy what they could have done the evolution of who they were the rick flair we saw in the first clash of the champions pay-per-view didn't have the same wrestling style as Ric Flair in 94 or Ric Flair in 2000 as he ended Nitro with Sting. There's an evolution of what these guys did in the ring, and you can go back and enjoy or it. Or when he was in WWE. Even then, yeah. Same thing with Sting. So go go back and watch it. I mean, we watched the Road Warriors come out looking badasses ever without the signature shoulder pads that they adopted later in their career. All black. Enjoy what these guys used to be. Uh, I, that's all I can say about this. It's a five for me because the nostalgia feeling is part of my ranking. And this lived up to it going back. Because sometimes, and Jason, Dimitri, I'm sure you guys can attest to this, that you go back and go, you know what? I used to love uh, WrestleMania 16 or whatever. I'm just throwing out an arbitrary number here. And you go back one night, you crack open the beer, you start drinking, you're three matches in going, I really used to love this crap. What the? What am I watching? There have been so many pay-per-views that I've done that with, and it makes me happy when I go back to this, and it holds up. Yeah? Amen to that. So here we go. Uh, if you're keeping track at home, you want to go home and watch. Uh, next, Survivor Series 2005. We have the debut of one Dimitri Young in a WWE pay-per-view. I... Debut, right? Yeah. Yes, it's a debut. Yeah. And and by the way, I won't give too much away from it, so go watch it yourselves. But uh, the very first ever cutting edge, if you remember through the Attitude Era and even the Ruthless Aggression Era, Edge had his first, had his talk show, The Cutting Edge, Dimitri Young, the very first guest of The Cutting Edge awesome. ever. Awesome. That's right. 